This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are ready to go here. January 23rd. I don't know the last day Nebraska basketball had a game. Uh, They won't have another game until next month. That's unfortunate. Right? It's been, so that's what, uh, seven? That's six games this month that have been postponed. Seven that have been impacted this season. Nebraska men's basketball will have played two games in the month of January. Mm. They had the uh, January 2nd game hosting Michigan State. Then postponed the Purdue game where we were still trying to figure out what side the health risk was on. Played the Indiana game, and it seemed like everything was okay. You just didn't have Ivan Udrogo. Right. And then the team pause went completely no team activities at all. Yeah. Is there anything? Okay, there's a couple games. Okay, now it's extended. Um, last Sunday we found out that Coach Fred Hoiberg was among about a dozen Tier 1, uh, meaning players, coaches, and, and staff, that had tested positive for COVID-19, which that one's especially scary because of his history with heart issues. Right. Um, he's had open heart surgery, and, and this, is a, this is a virus that actively attacks the heart. Um, so it sounds like things are getting better, at least from Bill Moose this week on Sports Nightly. But now you've lost the rest of your January, uh, which was to be expected. I know some folks thought that Nebraska could get back next Saturday to play Penn State, but you've got to get folks back, <laughs> and you've got to get practices in. So they're going to wait until the next week, February 3rd, at Michigan State will be. the is That's the next scheduled game, and from the release, the team and the program are expecting to be at that one. And Penn State is a matchup that you were hopeful maybe you could get that first Big Ten win. I mean, maybe not coming off of a stretch where you haven't played for weeks, but yeah. Penn State just got their first win in the conference mm-hmm. uh, just a, just this week against Rutgers. Yeah. So that was, if, if a winnable game exists in the Big Ten this season for Nebraska, that might have been it, and now it's off the board. You do get, uh, you do get the Nittany Lions again right. um, on, uh, on Valentine's Day, so right. that, that's better, but this one is... In in Pennsylvania, yeah. So we're burying the lead here, Cole. Two two games in two games in the month of January for Nebraska basketball. The Kansas City but Chiefs two, have played more games, but two in, in playoff January. games in the yes, month of January. There we go. There we go. For your Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> AFC Championship game participants again. They're hosting for the third straight year, just like old Andy Reid did in Philadelphia. The only guy to do it, and he's done it twice in each conference. Hey, this is a this is a tradition. Unlike any other, every 27 years, it's the Bills and the Chiefs. Yes. Did you see that? Yeah, Montana when he was playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I saw Kenny was the one that shared it. Yeah. Yeah, every been, 27 yeah. years, it's Bills-Chiefs. So uh, see you again in, what, 2048? Uh, I, like, I like the... I like the, the 
Joe Montana fill in Patrick Mahomes better than the Jim Kelly fill in Josh mm. Allen this yes. season, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, I'm obviously uh, a little bit uh, biased on this one, but look, Mahomes is playing. Walk it up. He's he's cleared, not even on the injury report, out of protocol. Let's move on to another Super Bowl. I don't know. My sister was at Wyoming at the same time Josh Allen was. Yeah, uh, they actually lifted like like uh, machines apart, mm-hmm. and she didn't under because she was a freshman. She didn't understand why he had like security and bodyguards with him, and he would just walk by and, and talk to her. And she was like, "Okay, cool, you're the quarterback, whatever." Yeah. Um, and she didn't quite get it because she's that he was she a projected was, first rounder. She was 18 years old, and right. now she sees him play. And Wyoming is possibly uh, the biggest set of Bills mafia outside of New York. <laughs> um, they love him up there, as they should. I mean, as as we do here, where I'm sure there are a lot of Nebraska folks that are uh, cheering for Tampa Bay despite Tom Brady being there. Yeah, a lot of Huskers on because that. you've got your three Huskers on there. Yep, uh, but. Yes, it's exciting for you. Exciting for the fact that there's a, a couple regional teams going in these conference championships with the Packers and the Chiefs. You've got um, a number of folks in Nebraska that do have some ties to Wyoming, so they kind of like the Bills with Josh Allen. Um, and you've got the Nebraska players on the Buccaneers. It feels like any of the four teams, like any teams that win and go to the Super Bowl, there's some kind of connection here in the state. Yeah, Harrison Phillips still on that Bills D line. Right. So it's a it's an exciting weekend and I hope nothing but the best for you, which is this is where things got weird in 2020. I remember going to a Super Bowl party at our colleague Mark Vales mm-hmm. to watch the Chiefs win. Mm-hmm. And then just a few weeks later, everything shut down. And I look back at that, I'm like, why weren't we wearing masks? <laughs> why Why was there just a, a spread of food on the pool table? Like th- That seems like nothing, it seems like decades ago. Yes. And yet, less than a year ago, that was a very real thing that we did, and there were zero concerns about it. So things have gotten very different in a year. What's not different is the Kansas City Chiefs being very good at football. No, I don't think that's going to be different for a very long time, and I'm okay with this. <laughs> uh, we've got a good show lined up. Uh, Chris Bazinet is going to join us. Uh, he is, uh, of course, covering the Nebraska ball beat for the Lincoln Journal Star. He has also paused all team activities for about a month. He did, yeah, he did, yeah. Similar to so your pause here uh, yeah. a few, few months back. Bazinet's a, a new daddy, so uh, we're going to be able to congratulate him on that. It's his first time back on the show since since that. Daddy that Baz. Day. Daddy Baz. I'll let you call him that. <laughs> um, and so we'll talk about Nebraska ball's continued pause. And, of course, we'll probably talk a little Nebraska football because uh, some folks were talking this week. Uh, Bill <laughs> Moose, Scott Frost, uh, both of them were, uh, they were on... Uh, various forms of media here in, in Nebraska that we're all familiar with. The the Sports Nightly Radio Show, uh, the Journal Star and the World Herald both had a chance to discuss some things with uh, with them. And uh, I, I'll let you go first on this because I, I feel like you uh, feel a little bit more strongly about things than I do. Um, I, I, I'm interested in, in how the offense... Uh, tries to spin the Wandale Robinson departure. Right. Um, turning the page from him, who was... Th- I mean, if not the face of your offense at a non-quarterback position, the face of your program. Definitely the face of the program. And, no. and to leave and, and to, you know, yeah. with, with a couple of years of eligibility left is is not great, no matter how you, uh, no matter what angle you try to look at it from. Um, but there there's 
there's some things that that are uh, exciting to talk about. You've got staff continuity, which we can hit on. You've mm-hmm. got defensive consistency and a lot of those guys coming back. Um, but the conversation around the offense is fascinating to me. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take this. So it's in, in some of the conversation was that Scott Frost said the departure of Wandale Robinson is going to allow this team on offense to get more of the way they want to play. Which to me doesn't really make sense because a lot of what uh, Frost has said since Wandale got on campus and started to really play well, broke out in the South Alabama game and the Illinois game as a freshman, was that Wandale fit exactly the piece this offense needed to kind of play that, that duck slot position where you can move him all over, just find a way to get him touches, and then he can take over a game. That didn't happen very much because defenses figured out that Nebraska didn't have a whole lot of other playmakers. They could just continue to smother Juan Dale, keep him in front, and then swarm tackle him, and it worked. Um, especially this past season, even though Juan Dale, outside of the quarterback runs, was the best piece of this offense. Um, now Coach Frost is saying they're going to try to get to more of a power run game, which I think you're hearing a bunch of sighs of relief across the Cornhusker State. Uh, because folks have wanted more of a power running game. That's something we should have seen more with Diedrich Mills over the course of this season, and you possibly see that with Marquise Stepp coming in from uh, from USC. He's a bigger-bodied guy. You've got a bunch of bigger wide receivers coming in to block on on the edges, so that's something that you can definitely see with this team. But it sounds more like this offense is changing their direction as opposed to the departure of Wandale Robinson is something that they needed to get better at on offense. Like like Frost and Lubick, you have to sound positive, but they're really changing the direction of the offense away from that do-everything-back that Wandale was to more of a power run game. Not that that was the long-term view of the offense. Now they're just forced into it with the early departure. Does that make sense? Yeah, I they were they were kind of shoehorning things into Wandale because they didn't really have another reliable weapon at times mm-hmm. in his two years here in Lincoln. And while it's good to have a player who's as as good and as versatile as he was, and still is for Kentucky, but was for Nebraska, it is beneficial in a way because you aren't trying to just force feed one player, and the defense is going to have to. Ideally, you get a few more playmakers out there, a few more guys to get experience to to put up some numbers, and then you spread the defense's attention out a little bit more than it has been. Mm. They haven't had to to spread their focus out too much in these couple years with Wandale Robinson as the main dude. Well, you also didn't have to this past year because you knew that Nebraska, even though it was still successful a large amount of times, the one thing Nebraska was going to be able to do well on offense was quarterback run. You didn't have to respect the downfield throwing at all, because if you did, that pulls the defensive backs more than 10 yards off the ball, and that gives Wondell Robinson more space. He would have been even more successful catching the ball, even though like 90% of the time he was getting the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage. He wasn't getting it five yards downfield, just having to make one or two guys miss. He was getting it behind the line of scrimmage, having to rely on blocks, and then having to make three or four guys miss after that. So he was already set up um, in a position that's not as advantageous if you have a quarterback that can throw the ball a little bit further downfield. If you can have, because let's face it, the receivers and tight ends got open 
a lot this year. Yeah. Specifically that Minnesota game. Yeah. And Adrian Martinez missed everyone in the second half. We can talk about the play calling. We can talk about wanting to get more reliable receivers. We can talk about wanting to get more reliable running game outside of the quarter outside of the quarterback runs. But if you don't have a guy who can throw the ball and complete a majority of his passes to a percentage that the defense has to respect, it doesn't matter how many playmakers you have. Right. And I think that's going to be the biggest conversation we're going to have to get into, Cole, is out of all of these things that look really, really good, and we'll definitely dive into the discussion about competing for the West, that's going to be really fun. Um, Luke McCaffrey staying at quarterback was one of the things that Scott Frost said. And now he's got time to work on that. He's got, theoretically, four more years still. Mm. Um, He can still be here after the next general election for president, which is just wild. Wow. Um, Hat tip to Jack Mitchell for that one, who's very excited for every guy that can be here for the next half a decade. (laughs) Um, But you look at that and you say, okay, how many of us have seen what Luke is doing at quarterback and knew that if he came in at quarterback... I'm sending eight because if he just throws the ball downfield, just leaving three back there gives me a good chance to pick it off. And I know the conversation has been Luke grew up dreaming about being a quarterback. He finished his high school career playing quarterback. He wants to be a quarterback. That's where he truly believes he can be successful as being quarterback. We all grow up wanting to do certain things and finding out our skill set might better fit something else. Scott Frost was a quarterback in college. He was not a quarterback in the NFL. His skill set did not fit that. I went all the way through junior high and high school. I started like track and field, started out at triple jump, thought that was my future. Well, I rolled my ankle really bad, so I, I switched more to doing both of the throws and got recruited to college of, after throwing discus and shot put. Well, guess what? I got to college and my body size did not fit a collegiate shot putter at the Division One level. No big deal. It still didn't quite fit throwing discus well enough at that level. Well, guess what? I switched. I threw javelin because that's what my skill set fit. No matter what my favorite events might have been, no matter what position someone thinks that they should be on the field, right now Luke McCaffrey's skill set does not fit that of a quarterback at the Division One level. Yeah, and my skill set just transitioned from one gaming system to the next. I wasn't a Division One athlete, so I don't have that. Type that's of called life. versatility, Cole. Well, hey, that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, versatility is the name of the game, and and I'm uh, I'm versatile if nothing else. Yeah, I look. Frost has a really unique perspective on this, and you touched on this. Frost obviously changed positions when he got to the NFL. The other aspect of this is, and he mentioned in the story, uh, I'm not sure if it was the World Herald or the Journal Star, but he said, "Look, I." know from personal experience that just because you're really athletic at the quarterback position and that you might be capable of playing at another position Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you should be playing at that position because you miss a couple of throws is how he characterized right i think people would make it more of a more of an issue than just a couple of bad throws for mccaffrey but again he is still just getting his feet wet and you don't know how much development could still be there as he goes through the rest mm-hmm. of his career. Uh, and so you don't need McCaffrey to start in 2021. Right. So it's not going to hurt anything to not put him in a different position necessarily. And maybe they do 
throw in a few more curveballs like they did in that first half of the Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really clear whether that was Frost's uh, idea to get away from it or if it was McCaffrey's wish to get away from it. But neither here nor there, they didn't go back to it. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see both not only how the McCaffrey thing plays out, but uh, another thing that Frost mentioned is about half the season, last half of the season last year, he shared play calling duties yes. with Matt Lubick. Yes. About 50 50, which that was a little interesting to me. And more interesting to me is that he's going to continue that into 2021. Mm-hmm. He'll still have veto power. He's still going to make the calls on, you know, fourth down decisions, big or, plays, you know, and- whatever he wants to do, they'll still do. Um, but he's splitting that responsibility. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure you and I were kind of throwing that around as maybe an option for him to think about mm-hmm. last season when things were not going very well offensively. So there you go. That's I think some positive growth yeah. from from Scott Frost in, in looking in uh, looking internally at something that he can do to shake things up to improve the way that the offense runs without going full-scale staff changes or scheme changes or what mm-hmm. have you because those things clearly are not happening. So um, all those things are, are, I guess, my way of saying they've got they've got some things to play with on offense, yeah. and while the departure of Wandale Robinson does hurt, I think it will force them into, into more of an idea of the whole instead of the individual, mm-hmm. which is something that this offense could benefit from. Two very quick things before we get to break. Chris Baznet just around the corner here on KLI and Husker Hour. Number one is I want to get more into this later in the show on how much Scott Frost leans on how he was treated as a player. He he leans on that and leans really into it, and I think he makes a lot of decisions based on his experience and how he was treated coming from Nebraska, going to Nebraska, and then going to going professional. And number two, I don't think it hurts a whole lot if you keep Luke McCaffrey and really train him as a quarterback one more year because you'll see what the development is of Logan Smothers yeah. and Heinrich Harbour getting to campus. And if you see right away that um, it's going to be tough for McCaffrey to win that job, you've got to find a way to either move him or he might have to find another home. Certainly some options to play with there offensively. Uh, defense, not a whole lot of change coming, uh, but we'll uh, we'll touch on more of that as well. Uh, a lot in those discussions uh, with both the World Herald and the Lincoln Journal star uh, from Scott Frost, Bill Moose. Uh, we'll talk with one of the Journal star writers who helps cover football and Nebraska basketball, of course. That's Chris Baznett. He's right around the corner here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. Got some volleyball to touch on. They are back. They are sweeping. They are crushing dreams. Still fine-tuning the race car, though. That's fine. But, man, it feels good to just... I mean, I, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I know what it feels like to cheer for a winner. But um, The only disappointment was like, man, I hope they don't get to 20. They did it twice so that it feels like a loss. Like When, when, like when, loss. when that feels like a loss for your team, <laughs> you're in a good spot. That's like the Chiefs winning every game by single digits, and everybody's like, oh, they're not blowing people out. They're, they suck. Is this what it felt like to have real memories of the 90s with football? It's, just, it's the closest thing I have. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is all to thank. Um, and uh, all to thank for us right now here on the show, uh, the return of 
a father now. Chris Baznet from the Lincoln Journal Star. Daddy Baz. Yes, that's Caleb, Caleb came up with that. Don't ever call me that ever again. <laughs> yes, I knew that. I knew that was coming. Um, let's uh, let's hit on basketball uh, before we get to football. Baz, they they've extended their pause. They lost that Penn State game. Uh, first off, Caleb and I were wondering what's the last Nebraska basketball game you covered before uh, before you had the the baby. It was uh, Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, Called that. There you go. Yeah. Me, me, and about four of my closest friends in the entire arena. Somebody <laughs> else was home for Christmas Day, so Caleb was not there. I remember that. No, that is that is accurate. I was at home with a with a beverage and covering the game, like like, like an American with his family. With you you missed out because I brought gifts for everybody that was on Media Row. That oh, they, they, thank you for your service. <laughs> no. Um. So the the obviously the fact that the program is not able to play games, not able to practice right now. Uh, it is not great for a program that's trying to find themselves and and mesh uh, guys on the floor and and start to get a feel for everybody when they play together. Uh, how much do you think this ultimately sets back Nebraska? Not for this year, but for next year and the year after potentially, just not getting a chance to be out there together as much. Yeah, I think it hurts quite a bit. I think that's obviously you know you you want everybody to be healthy first and foremost. I think that's obvious, but but after that. I, th- I think this hurts this team a lot because you need games and no matter what the results of those games are, you obviously you'd like to win them, but th- this team needs games. It's, it's still a revamped roster. You just added a, another guy to the mix and, and Derek Walker who needs games. So y- you need that. You need practices. You need time together. And he, I, I think a little bit of a break is fine, you know, because these guys have obviously been together since June or whatever, and they haven't seen a whole lot of other people. So, being able to isolate for a couple days maybe didn't hurt, but having to do it for as long as they've had that it's no good. Cause now guys are out of shape. You got to get guys back in shape. You got to get them back on the court together and you've got to get ready to, to try and basically ramp up again for, for another big 10 season basically. And for a program that's developing for a program that, it, that needs games that, that needs guys to play together, it, it hurts. And I think, It'll be interesting to talk to Fred Hoiberg about that the next time we talk to him because I think he'd probably tell you the same thing, that this program needs development. You can't develop if you're not playing games. So, Baz, I know that every release that comes out with the postponements is that the teams in the Big Ten Conference are going to work to try to find a, a way to schedule this game and get them played. How realistic is that over the course of this final stretch to find a way to now six Big Ten games that Nebraska would try to, to fit in but also the fact that Nebraska is not a tournament team, so Nebraska doesn't necessarily need these games for that reason. But the Big Ten wants to get these other teams another win, so it looks better once you get to the the selection committee. Even if Nebraska is not a great win, it is a win. Yeah, there's there's a lot I think to to take in there. You've got television partners you need to satisfy too, as far as getting these games played. You've got, uh, like you said. Uh, it may not matter for Nebraska as far as making the tournament or whatever, but you, you still need to play games and you still need to fulfill the schedule as best you can. And Nebraska is basically going to have to do it in about a, a four and a half week stretch. By the time they get back, they're going to have to make up six games. And it's going to be hard because you, you think about it or we think about it in the context of how does this affect Nebraska? But, you know, every game you reschedule is going to affect a lot of other teams in the conference. Look at what Penn State did yesterday. You know, that, that after that game was postponed, they moved a the game to the 27th. Wisconsin and Maryland moved a game to the 30th. You know, another game got put on the schedule with Michigan. It, it affects 
it sends ripples out to other teams in the league, no matter how this works. So it's, it's going to be a project and it's going to be a chore to, to try and get all six of these games in. And you're also relying if you're Nebraska on these other teams staying healthy themselves, mm. you know? So there's a, there's a lot of different factors that go into this, you know, obviously I think Nebraska would like to play the games. And I think Fred Hoiberg would tell you that the, the other teams, like you said, look at Nebraska game as a game they can probably win. So they probably like to play that game, but at the end of the day, there's, there's only so much time that you have before you get to the NCAA tournament. So if Nebraska gets all 20 in, I think that would be a, a pretty monumental accomplishment. But at the same time, I think the Big Ten's going to do what they can to get all those games in because they have television contracts and everything else they have to worry about. Not not exactly, I guess, a, a Nebraska conversation, but the NCAA tournament announcing that they're going to be playing all 67 games in 17 days in the Indianapolis area. What, what's a, what, what has been your reaction to that, that it's not going to be just Thursday to Sunday each week? You're going to get some Mondays and Tuesdays in there as well. I, I know I'm excited for it just because inject all of the basketball as much as possible into my veins, but there are some folks that aren't quite as excited as some of us. Yeah, no, I think it'll be cool. It'll be cool for a one-time deal. I obviously don't think it's something you, you just you, – you pivot to mm-hmm. do from here on out, but it's, this is what it is, right? Like you got to find a way to play the tournament and this is probably the best way to do it. And, and we're assuming that this whole thing goes off without a hitch and there's not a positive test with somebody, you know, the day, a couple of hours before a game or whatever. So from that standpoint, from the standpoint of somebody who, who kind of likes chaos a little bit, I'm, I'm fascinated by what this is going to look like. Do they get all 67 games played? Is there going to be a forfeit in the Sweet 16 or something because a team has a couple positive tests? You know, I don't know. But it's going to be pretty cool. I think it's going to be pretty cool to see tournament games in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, it's going to be pretty cool to see tournament games at, at IU and Bloomington and at Purdue and obviously Lucas Oil Stadium and and uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse, which was the last tournament game I covered last March before all hell broke <laughs> loose. So, you know, it, it's going to be cool for a for a one-time deal, and it's, I think it's going to be fascinating to see if they can pull it off. Fingers crossed that they can. Chris Baznett uh, from the Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, let's uh, switch, switch gears and go to football a little bit. Uh, Baz, I'm interested in what you thought was the most interesting piece of uh, Scott Frost's conversation uh, with with your colleagues there, was it uh, something newsy or was it just something that was you know just a little nugget about the program? What what did you think was most interesting about what he was saying? Uh, probably a couple of things. One that that the entire assistant coach staff will stay intact, um, and I think that and they're going to just go with another analyst for special teams, and we don't need to dive into the the special teams issues that have hurt this hurt this team since Scott Frost got here. But I thought that might be a deal where they, they tried to shuffle some things around and get a full-time special teams coach in there and, and try and make a run at making them really good. So that was the one thing. The other thing I thought was interesting was when he talked about how he anticipated Wondell Robinson transferring and planned for it by bringing in Samari Toure and, and how that maybe changes the offense a little bit. Not, not really necessarily dumping on Wondell Robinson, but kind of saying, ah, we might be able to do some more stuff I want to do now that, that Wondell's not here. So those were kind of the two things I think that really stuck out to me um, just because I thought it was, those were two things that I think a lot of us assumed there would be change, you know, especially with the coaching staff and, and potentially a special teams coach coming on. So it was really interesting to see Scott Frost kind of, kind of clear those things up. Baz, I saw a lot of eye rolling yesterday after the stories came out, especially on the Frost and Bill Moose are both, uh, they jibe on competing for the Big Ten West 
in 2021, and I think a lot of it is um, folks in Nebraska more than anywhere else are going to jump over to the Kool-Aid stand, but at some point when, when you haven't won enough games to make a bowl in so many years, there are some folks that are getting a little bit tired of immediately saying, well, this next year, even though we only won a couple of games, we're going to compete for the Big Ten West. What what was your takeaway from those comments? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny to hear, you know, it, we're all fired up because the coach and the ID think we should win. You know, well, yeah, of course. They, yeah, good good job, guys. Thanks for clearing that up. Appreciate that. So, no, I mean, you, you kind of nailed it, Caleb. I, we've kind of heard it for the last few years, and we've heard Scott Frost say the same thing he said yesterday. Well, I didn't think I really had the team last year, but I think we might have the team this year. You know, that's not the first time he said something like that either. So, We'll see what it looks like. The schedule is what it is next year. It's, it's very difficult, even though Nebraska gets a lot of its toughest games at home. And who knows what home games will look like next year, if there'll be fans or not. But, you know, it's it, to me, it's kind of like a, a no-duh situation. Like, yeah, the coach wants to win. The AD wants to win. Well, go do it. You know, it, I, at some point, talk becomes cheap. And I don't know if we're quite there yet uh, with the fan base and Scott Frost when it comes to that, but you can only say that so many times before it gets old. So let's let's see some results on the field and kind of back the talk up. Are we going to have fans at the May 1st spring game, the latest spring game since 1980, by the way? That's a great tidbit, Caleb. Nice job. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time going through the schedule. <laughs> yes, you did, yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I think you might, you know, I, if it if indeed it falls on, you know, the city of Lincoln to, to – as to, who's allowed in or how many are allowed in and not the big 10, then I think you will see fans in, in the stands, even if it's in a limited number, whether it's, you know, 10,000 or whatever it may be. I think you'll see a few just because I think Nebraska won't miss an opportunity to, to boost morale among the fan base, you, you know, if nothing else. And, and obviously you do that by, by following any health protocols that are in place by the time we get to May. But I, they got to get fans back in there at some point in Nebraska, more than, more than a lot of places, we we know what the fan base means to this program, what the program means to the fan base. So, yeah, I do think you'll see fans. It's just a matter of how many and, and what it's going to look like. And you possibly get to have recruits on campus by then. That is a possibility. Not not going to lean too hard into that's what it's going to be, but that that's another selling point for, for getting fans there. Yeah. Uh, again, we'll see what it looks like. Obviously, the with the whole moratorium and everything being extended through April 15th, that you're going to have less than a month to – to kind of get that all straightened out. If, if they if they do indeed lift that moratorium on the April 15th, you got a lot of fights. you got to get scheduled <laughs> for recruits to get to Lincoln, you know, in, in a few weeks after that. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be – I think it's just going to be interesting to see how this kind of progresses, you know, month to month, week to week. It's just like it, it, we've said, you know, since the start, you know, that you just kind of take it week by week, day by day, see what it looks like. But it would seem – that by the time you get to May 1st, you should be able to, to have maybe a little bit more freedom to, to get some people into Memorial Stadium to watch football. We'll get you out of here on this one, Baz. Uh, you cover baseball as well, and uh, that season is rapidly approaching, too. It sounds like the conference might go with an all-conference schedule and not allow any non-conference games. Um, what, what if anything, have, have you heard about what they're going to do when they may release any information on that and, uh, and, and just what that would mean for Nebraska in 2021? Yeah, it it sounds like it's going to be similar to how it was for, you know, basketball and and volleyball, where we might not get a schedule until a couple weeks before the season starts. (laughs) Um, and if it is indeed a big 10 only schedule, which I think most people think it's going to be, 
you're probably looking at, you know, four game series on the weekend as opposed to three. And you're probably looking starting in, in March because how many big 10 games you can be able to play in the middle of February. You know, I, I remember Nebraska going up to Michigan state a year or two ago in April and it was like 27 degrees in April. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's not ideal. I don't like it. I don't think, I think if you asked Will Bolt, in a private moment, he'd be pretty annoyed by the fact that they have to play a, a conference-only schedule because it hurts the Big Ten from an RPI standpoint. You know, Nebraska, you know, can't go to Florida or California or Texas and, and play in a tournament against an Oregon State or an SEC team or whatever and, and maybe win a couple of those games and help the RPI. Now, you're talking about playing in a conference that, while it's improved, it's still not a great baseball conference. And then you have all these teams playing each other. Now you get to the end of the season, and, and what does that look like when you're talking at-large bids, when you're talking bubble teams? You know, I think in the long run, it hurts the conference. And we'll, again, we'll see what it looks like when it gets here. We'll see what the schedule looks like when it comes out. But it, to me, playing conference only, it, it hurts It hurts every team in the conference, not just Nebraska, because you're, you're taking away opportunities to, to kind of build a resume. They are definitely emergency building, like another media area haymarket, right? So there could be more than two people up there in that press box <laughs> with social distancing. I, I've reserved the left field berm uh, for myself. <laughs> Nobody is allowed out there. So you guys can do whatever you want outside of that, but I'm hanging out in left field. going to be like a soccer official out there spray painting the grass around him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll have my little, my little foam stuff. I'll spray some lines. Stay out of my <laughs> circle. Exactly. Uh, Chris Basnett, Lincoln Journal star. Uh, fatherhood has uh, not adversely affected your radio take, so we appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, thanks for coming on, and I'll make sure Caleb never calls you that name earlier again. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Cole, and thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. <laughs> All right, Chris Basnett, uh hitting on everything there. And, uh, yeah, the baseball thing, It's it kind of goes back to the football conversation where how do you know that this conference is not as good as this conference when you were trying to so- sort out the playoff discussion? Mm-hmm. Like, no other conference play any other conference. Like, is, how do you know? And, and that would be the same thing for baseball. How would you know how many Big Ten baseball teams are NCAA caliber worthy, right? It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to figure that whole thing out. And that's so that's a slightly different conversation because Big Ten as a baseball conference is not one of the top conferences in the country, but volleyball is. And you look at volleyball, and they've already scaled down what the postseason is to forty eight teams. So when you're playing a conference only schedule, you don't get the extra data points of say there's a team that's going to finish sixth or seventh or eighth in the the Big Ten volleyball. Let's say it's like in Ohio State or in Illinois. Mm-hmm. They're not going to compete for the top, so they're they're not going to like auto-bid their way in, but they're going to be close enough that they should be in the conversation for an at-large. And they went and, oh, they took Stanford to five sets. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that looks really, really good. Right. You don't get to go and take um, Baylor so far. You don't get to play a, a top 25 Creighton team like a lot of these schools normally would. So you lose out on a lot of data points. In volleyball, you're losing out on spots in the postseason, which means you lose out on money for your conference. In baseball, if you're just playing yourself and you're only beating up on yourself, you're losing spots in the postseason. I don't know that it would hurt volleyball as much because I feel like if you don't have the non-conference matchups, you're only basing the the perception and the postseason sifting through on reputation. 
Which in volleyball, it's amazing. Right. But on baseball, it's crap. Well, and and, so there's no way to reverse that narrative for this season for baseball. Yeah. I'm talking more on volleyball on the borderline teams. You're going to right. get, if you're, you're Wisconsin, yeah. Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, and then probably two others. Yeah. But even even if you are a borderline team, you're still going to have an opportunity against a, a game in Nebraska right. or Wisconsin. You'll still have some of those opportunities in the Big Ten. You're not going to have that, yeah. Because are, are any of the Big Ten teams considered like College World Series favorites? No, no. So that's going to be a problem for them too. Even though you had a Michigan team recently be good, but that's that's not enough. That was the last finals that we had too. Yeah, like the last College oh, World Series final. Yeah, <laughs> wait a minute. Was that's recently was recently good. I guess last season that was fully played. <laughs> right. The last season was played. Well, I guess last season was partially played. Fully played. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> God, what a mess. Data points. That's not something I thought I would... That's not something I said really before this past fall. I was at one of those Vanderbilt-Michigan games. It feels like 15 years ago. (laughs) And it was less than two years ago. Uh, It feels like 15 years since Nebraska volleyball played a match. Well, they were back last night. They swept Indiana. We will talk about that. Showtime. Yes. Dream crush season. uh, And more of the uh, Bill Moose-Scott Frost discussion uh, on what they think of 2021 football and more. Uh, All that coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Our thanks to Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star. Just joined us in our last segment. If you missed that or if you missed anything before that, uh, Caleb's nickname for Baz, uh, or anything from any previous shows, you can always head to the (laughs) podcast page at KLIN.com. You can hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at KLIN Huskers. And, of course, go to Facebook right now. You've got us live streamed. Uh, Kenny Larrabee doing what he does, uh, getting us on the video. Quick uh, question. Yes. Why have we not made a parody music video for Mr. Basnet? We're playing Basnet Ball. No? I, I think you have your project for the week, Kenny. Well, there we go. Okay. We go. Kenny, let's work on that. <laughs> well. Okay. Um, another project uh, on our hands is uh, kind of figuring out what Nebraska football will look like in 2021. And uh, Bill Moose, Scott Frost, they had a chance to to kind of put themselves out there uh, this week, uh, and both of them have kind of the same talking point, if you will, that you know what, 2021, uh, we're going to have a team capable of winning the West Division, and we're going to go ahead and uh, compete for the West Division now. Uh, Caleb, I, I know you uh, want to dig into this first. I've got some thoughts too, but you go ahead. So there is, and just like we said with Baz, that there's there's a lot of eye rolling at the comments anymore. And let's let's talk about the fact that at the very first press conference, Scott Frost said the Big Ten is going to have to adjust to our offense. Big Ten hadn't had any problem with it. <laughs> like if the Big Ten had to do any adjusting, hasn't had any problem with it, and it becomes a, a, a you're just going around the carousel year after the year of. Well, this year I think we've got the team for it. And then you get to the to the offseason and say, well, I don't think we, we didn't really have the pieces that we needed, and I think this next year we, we really do. But it seems like each year you're not inserting those pieces you just brought in. So what, what makes you think things are going to be a whole lot different? Yeah, we saw Xavier Betts play a little bit, but Omar Manning got like one target. Nadab Joseph didn't play at all at corner. Over the course of the season, Just a little bit of special teams. Um, yeah, a little bit of special teams there. Now you are bringing back a lot on defense, so you don't necessarily need to shuffle in a bunch of guys this next year. Offensively, you're going to have to find a way to replace 
um, your top two non-quarterback producers. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have to figure out what you're going to do at quarterback. There are so many question marks that I know a coach can't come out and say, the goal this year is get eligible for a bowl game and then we go from there. And if you're eligible for a bowl game after the first six games, okay, then you look at the rest of the season and say, okay, well, what position are we in? Where where can we go in this final half of the season? A coach isn't going to say the goal, first and foremost, is to make a bowl game. I get that. But the other side of it is that's realistically where this program is. You have to make a bowl game and get eligible for that to reach that stepping stone of competing for the Big Ten West because Nebraska hasn't beaten Iowa in more than a half a decade. You haven't reasonably done a good enough job to go year in and year out with Wisconsin. Didn't nor- lose to him this last year. Yeah, Wisconsin Wisconsin avoided Nebraska. Well, guess what? <laughs> Wisconsin would have loved to play Nebraska this past year. Um, but you go through, and you've had issues with, with Purdue. Say what you want about Indiana, but you've had issues with them, and they had a pretty dang good year. this past season. Their program's in a better spot than Nebraska's. Yeah, unequivocally. Um, And then you start to look at the rest of the the schedule. Minnesota's been kind of where they are. Um, No one really likes Fleck, but guess what? He's winning more ballgames. Won 10 games in 2019. Yeah, so, and now you've just added Brett Bielema to Illinois. So you know that he's going to make that place look like Wisconsin. Well, that doesn't make the West any easier. <laughs> and now you, you've gone through and it's like, well, what are really your, your winnable games? You, you just put it on the schedule and say, we're winning that game no matter what happens. You don't necessarily have them in the West. You, you don't circle one and go, that's a W. Where are we finding the others? You don't necessarily have that in the Big Ten at all. Yeah, beat Rutgers, but it didn't look easy to end the season. Um so you hope you can get them. Maryland's recruiting classes have been really good. They're getting all kinds of receivers. Marcus Fleming just transferred out there, mm-hmm. and he looked like the future of being a pretty decent receiver for Nebraska for a couple of games. So to come out and say, this team needs to be competing for the Big Ten West, I absolutely agree. They should be competing for the Big Ten West. But what we've seen from recent history say this team needs to have a goal that is a couple of stepping stones before they get to that. Now, do if they go win the Big Ten West this fall, fantastic. But you have to set your sights on things that are reasonable first. And right now in the Big Ten, Nebraska competing to go play in Indianapolis is not reasonable until we see it on the field. I don't know what they're supposed to say otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is a problem that we kind of explored last season with Scott Frost. Like, yeah. He's damned if he do, damned if he don't in terms of what he's saying post-game, in terms of what he's saying during the week, because, I mean, if if he if he talks more than he maybe should, then he's going to end up saying something that enough people are like, well, what's he saying that for? And if he doesn't say very much, they're, oh, he's dodging the media. You, you, you can't really win when you're not winning on the field. You're not going to get any wins to replace them just by talking about it. They win every week of practice except leading into Illinois. Well... Maybe they can. Hey, they they want a lot of guys coming back for their super senior years too. Uh, look, they, super duper senior. I don't know. I, you're you're just not going to you're not going to get like fire and brimstone for me about saying, hey, we want to be competitive in our division. Like, yeah, 
I, I don't know how much more of a leap that is than trying to get to a bowl game. Honestly, it's a couple games here and there. And you mentioned Iowa. Obviously, they've not beat them at all under Frost. They didn't beat them under Riley either. But each of the last three seasons under Frost, they've been within one score of Iowa at the end of the game. They're not getting blown away by a program like Iowa, which is in a lot better spot than Nebraska. Um, and and to your point about not knowing, okay, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win, so now we can say we're going to compete this season. Was Northwestern saying that at the beginning of this year? No. They weren't saying, oh, well, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win, so we, we, we're going to go ahead and deem ourselves uh, competitive for the West Division. Mm-hmm. No. They have consistency within their program. They just tried to figure it out as they go, and they won the game that was in front of them, and they moved on to the next week. Nebraska does have consistency within their program now. They have the same 10 coaches from one season to the next. They've only really replaced two. and it, it, So that's you, you do have consistency within the program, which is good. You have, uh, hopefully, enough playmakers at positions that you need them at where Nebraska's had you know recruiting success over Frost's tenure. You've got another year of Frost guys getting seasoned in the program, in the scheme. Yeah, it's not, it's not a now-or-never proposition regarding 2021 and winning the West Division by any means. Like Frost isn't going to get fired if they don't win the division next year. Uh, but they better not go like one and eight. <laughs> yeah, they better not go two and seven. Like you should have meaningful games into late October in terms of the division. Mm-hmm. You should have meaningful games, maybe even into November at this point in your program's tenure. Because if you're not, then you're not going to be able to talk your way out of it in January, regardless. Like. Yeah, I understand if if you're, you know, not happy about this because well, what are they doing here? Like they're not even talking about something that is a the 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 logical next step with this program. They're not talking about bowl game or six wins or what have you. I mean, they're not going to be able to say anything in January to make this right. Yeah. They are going to have to win games on the field no matter what. So, honestly, I don't care what they're saying. It's good that they have expectations. It's, I'm never going to complain about Nebraska having expectations. Uh, you know, whether it's, hey, we should try to win six games, that's not the greatest bar to set, but last year coming into 2020, maybe that was the bar to set. Hmm. For 2021, I don't know. Maybe it is to win the West. Maybe they will be competitive. We don't know at this point. I don't think they will, but it's good that they are at least setting their, that bar for themselves and they're giving themselves a goal. Uh, you're just not going to talk your way out of the mess that you're in in January, you got to go do the work. You got to go put in all the winter conditioning uh, and and spring ball, and and hopefully you get more of a normal time with that this year, so that everybody can get a chance to get to know people uh, and and have some rapport on the field. It's just you, it is what it is. It's it's a conversation. It's not going to get you wins and losses right now. So I I don't know why uh, I don't know why we would take anything from it other than okay, they have their sights set on this. Hopefully they can get it done. Yeah. Really quickly, the schedule here this next fall, if nothing changes, which the Big Ten might switch up their schedule a little bit based off of 2020 getting switched up. Illinois in Ireland. Then you host a Buffalo team that finished, uh, lost the MAC championship game. They also lose Jarrett Patterson yep. to the NFL. You go to Oklahoma, to Michigan State, host Ohio State and Northwestern, 
at Purdue, and then you host a four-game stretch of Michigan, Iowa, southeastern Louisiana, Wisconsin, at Minnesota. If you can keep both the Iowa and Wisconsin games at home, you feel better about that. Those are probably going to get one. One will go on the road. That, does that feel like a like a bowl eligible season to, to to count enough wins? I know it's it's a long ways away, and like you said, it's January. Based on what we know now, no. Yeah, but you know they they've got a lot to do. Obviously, nobody's going to dispute that. I don't think. Um, but if if they if they are if they are going to make any moves uh, in the conference, I mean they're going to have to do it at some point when it's not expected. Yeah, right. They're going to have to figure it out as they go. There's got to be a jump somewhere. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, it's what I've done on this show for years. <laughs> it's so working. far so far. I'm still here. Hey, <laughs> let's let's keep it going. Um, uh, a team that doesn't have to fake it because they have made it. That's volleyball. We're going to talk about their uh, their season debut uh, that they just made last night. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Wrapping things up here on the KLIN Husker Hour, but first... Husker Volleyball. Yes. They're back sweeping Indiana to start the season out there in Bloomington. They got another match with the Hoosiers tonight. Uh, Lauren Stiverin's Lexi Sun both hit, what, 429? Yeah. Um, you've got you've got some new blood worked in there. Uh, I, I forget what her name is, and I'll probably butcher it. Uh, Kianile Akata? There you go. Kianile, yeah, that's why they call you the sports director. Yeah, she had uh, nine I, I, nine digs, a defensive specialist, true freshman. I that's think she goes good. by by Kaylee or Kiele. I, I can't remember. It's it's they've shortened it up for for her teammates and what you hear yeah. uh John Baylor say on uh on air. But I remember looking it up when she committed and then ultimately signed. Right. Kianile. I'll just say Akana. I can say Akana. Akana. Yeah. yeah, we can go with Akana. Nicklin Hames, 29 assists. She had nine digs as well. Um, you yeah. also had the uh, the Husker debut of Kayla Caffey. Right. Um, who uh, got the start at middle blocker. Uh, six kills, three blocks. Um, and then Akana and Hames both had match high nine digs. Uh, but yeah, Le- Lexi Sun leading the leading everyone out there with 11 kills. She really was the reason that Nebraska won that first set mm-hmm. because Nebraska did not hit well. It hit just 139 uh, in 125-22. And at one point, it was like 17-16, and you started to get a little worried that that things were a little bit too tight and only won the second one 25-20, and then 25-17, the last set wasn't really in doubt. Uh, but for a team of the caliber for Nebraska and a team like in Indiana – you saw where things are, just like in football. Mm-hmm. The first game out, things are going to be a little bit different. You got to knock a lot of rust off. It's been more than four hundred days. It's been thirteen months. Yeah. And no matter who you're playing, you've got to show up and not have errors. And Nebraska had a number of errors. Um, nine errors in the first. Uh, I believe seven more in the in the second, and then just two in the last one. Mm-hmm. I believe if, if if I've got my numbers right. So you finished off a lot better. Like you, once you knocked the rust off, hey, things looked really good. But there were some unforced errors, just some hitting errors, some serving errors. And Coach Cook expected that that there was going to be a lot of excitement for the first match out. Yeah. But you went and you got the win. You're still fine tuning that race car, as Coach Cook said earlier this week. You're not too worried about who the opponent is, and necessarily the wins and losses. 
You're worried about getting your team better because of where they're going to be at the end of this season. And you got the sweep last night, and you'll turn around and play again and see what the adjustments are um, here in about seven hours when Nebraska and Indiana tip off again from Bloomington. Yeah, Lexi Sun, five of her 11 kills in that first set. 7-19 yeah. in that first set. When the team hit 136, 139, yeah. that's, yeah. And she had no airs in that first set. Yep. So that that's that's what makes it even more amazing, and that's the reason that Sun and Stevens are uh, preseason All-Big Ten. Um, Americans. Yeah, they're, they're, they're returning All-Americans. Now, who we didn't see yesterday was uh, Callie Schwarzenbach mm-hmm. and Jazz Sweet. Right. Um, and those are two that had been playing opposite and middle blocker. And this is going to be something we see more of over the course of this season. Thank goodness you've got a really good transfer from Missouri and Caffey, mm-hmm. and you've got a Kana who can step in there as a defensive specialist. Um, but all that tells you is, with the players that all returned and the players you brought in, there is depth that now the issue becomes for Coach Cook and associate head coach Hildebrand. There's only six spots out there, seven if you count the libero who's going to be rotating in. You've got more depth than just about anybody in the conference that you can realistically roll folks out there if you have someone miss because of an injury or contact tracing. Mm -hmm. This team should be good outside of an outbreak that would be close to stopping a match anyway. You can roll enough folks out there that this team will still be competitive night in and night out, and you are able to bring a true freshman onto the court and a transfer, and have no issue. Yeah. Uh, John Cook done this before. He, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think everybody's t- uh, trusting in, in what he's doing uh, at the top of this program. And it sounds like Kaylin Meyer, the, the fresh, true freshman out of Superior, mm. um, she is in contention for that middle blocker spot as well. So, yeah. so Schwarzenbach's got, got her work cut out for her um, at that middle blocker spot, trying to fight people off. But that's great because what what is the conversation we've had with football? Maybe there's not enough competition for some of these spots that guys can just get, yeah. can kind of just settle into it and go, well, I've got the spot. No one else is talented enough really to come take it. That's not the case with Nebraska volleyball. As soon as freshmen step on step on the floor at practice and you're going through the week, you might lose your spot. Matt, Matty Kubik was freshman All-American, mm-hmm. was the Big Ten freshman of the year last year. She still has to come in and earn her spot. Yeah, That's what you get when you recruit the number one, two, and three overall recruits in the nation mm-hmm. uh, in, in the top recruiting class in the country. Um, yeah, and, and look, even though you, you, you said earlier, like, hey, they gave up 20 in the first two sets, that's almost like a loss. Uh, you'll, they'll take the win, they'll take the sweep, move on with it. Um, just like the Chiefs are, are taking every single digit <laughs> win they have uh, here in a row, and uh, they'll just go ahead and move on with it. Um, Chad but, Haney, our hero? Oh, anything is possible. <laughs> All of those Henny puns I'm here for. Uh, yeah, so it is uh, championship weekend. Uh, Packers-Bucks, first game tomorrow, and then it's uh, Chiefs-Bills. I, I like my chances, Caleb. I think it's going to be a back-to-back Super Bowl appearances for for my man Patrick Mahomes. Can't wait to watch all of it tomorrow, but first I've got to watch the uh, volleyball team take on Indiana tonight. That game, uh, pregame 4.30, tip-off at 5. You won't hear it here, but it is over on B1073. Uh, Nebraska women's basketball this next week is at Illinois men's basketball with another week off. They'll they'll play in February. February. Let's hope they can get that first February game in. And Wrestling, still a top-10 team. They've got Maryland and Northwestern in town today. There you go. Have a good weekend, everybody. We will uh, see you next Saturday right here. Same time, same place. Be safe, wear a mask, and go Big Red.